This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From baseball's top personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> you would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We got a good one for you here from spring training. Our old buddy Adam Rosales, who's a manager now in the minor league system for the Oakland Athletics. Our own Vince Catronio, Glenn Kuyper, and Martin Gallegos from MLB.com. But he's been one of my favorites for a long long time i remember when adam rosales came here from cincinnati and uh he has been a terrific oakland a and now he's gonna be a big part of their coaching staff through the minor leagues and who knows someday here is our old friend rosie adam rosales we're just talking about it i remember when you came over from the cincinnati reds it was like yesterday and it's just uh, just a wild ride all of our careers, actually. It's great to have you on. How are you? It's great to be here. It's great to be at spring training, get the season rolling. It's awesome to be here. You know, there's people who appreciate the game. There's people who really like they, they like the lifestyle. Um, they like being, you know, professional baseball players. And then there's people who that no matter what, they just love the game. They love the grass. They love the dirt. They love the play. That's who you are, and it's always been who you are, and that's why I think this coaching thing is just great for you. 100%. I couldn't take a season off. I had to go right into it. I just feel like I would be lost without the game. I just, I, I love it that much, and it's, it is a part of me and who I am. And the, and, the, and the cool thing about it now for you is is everything that you learn, you now get to teach these young kids. Right. But, and, but it's tricky, though, because – Everything I've learned, it's it's how you deliver the message, right? You got to learn how to deliver the same message, ten to twenty different ways, you know, because there's all these different personalities, and that's what you have to learn as a coach. If you want to be a really good coach, is understanding how to connect with all these different personalities, and that's what I'm looking forward to. I talked a lot with Bushy, you know, about coaching. We got Keith Lipman, he's a big time mentor for me over on the on the minor league side. But there's so much to learn about this game. There's so much depth, and that's why it's so beautiful, you know. Well, and I think about as a player, you you worried so much about yourself, right. and I think what you're morphing into is is being the teacher, where you got a classroom, <laughs> right. and like if you got 30 kids, you got to reach all 30 kids, right? right? And now, but but all 30 kids are different. They'll have different backgrounds. In this game, they speak different languages. I mean, just just really talk about. Okay, I have the message. But how do I really reach each one of these guys? Yeah, that's that's the trick. You know, I, I think for me, I do a really good job one-on-one with them. I really create that time to pull them aside. And as a manager, you let them know, like, you kind of, you just, you have compassion for them, you know, like about a lot of different things about what's going on at home, 
about playing time, all these different things. You have compassion and understanding. And I let my coaches coach, you know, like the hitting coach, the pitching coach, they do that. Like the, But I like to work, talk with them one-on-one -on -one about what's most important in this game in order to be persistent and in order to get an opportunity at the next level. I feel like that's where I'm doing my best right now. Well, I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with, you know, getting to know your guys as human beings because yeah. you're right and you live through it yourself is that, you know, we just think of you guys as robots and as players that go out and are really good athletes, but we don't know what's happening at home. We don't know what's right. happening with live with wives, girlfriends, parents, grandparents, <laughs> kids. You know, we have no idea. And you know what? There is stuff going on with these people outside the lines. That's right. There is a lot. I, mean, I talked to Bushies. Like, you got to make sure you put the, the person first and then the player. That's what makes you a really good manager. And it's not easy to do all the time, you know, because you do. You want to teach them how to win a baseball game, right? There's a lot of development that goes on in the minor league side. But you do have to put the person first before the player. And that's where you'll be successful. So many of these kids are growing up with a lot of technology. And they're having a lot of technology, a lot of math, a lot of stuff. You know, we've got analytics and data for everything. How different is it for these kids coming up than when you were coming up? A lot. I mean, there's a lot of difference, you know. In a, in a way, I wish I, I had those, those numbers to figure out what kind of player I was. But you know what? Technology doesn't matter unless you have a system that works for these players, right? You can have all these numbers, but it can really hurt them if they don't understand why they're using it or why they're doing it. So you have to build a system, sometimes individual systems for each individual player, or else the technology kind of goes out the window for these kids to understand exactly how to utilize this technology. So you do, you need, you need to rely a lot on the coaches doing their job with the technology in order to deliver this message to the players. Well, yeah, and I talk a lot about golf because golf was the first really sport that started using TrackMan and started using all this stuff. And, yeah, you can have it, but if you're not utilizing it right, it's kind of worthless. Uh, but now for you as a teacher, you have to learn it and be able to speak that language because that technology has a different language. 100%. I mean, that's what – there's, you know, uh, Lloyd Turner, he's doing the hitting, and Casey Upperman are doing the pitching for us, and they're like the performance hitting and pitching coaches. So they know the numbers. They know that technology side of it. So I'm really trying to pick their brains and everybody else around the organization to understand how we can really create a system to help these players utilize that technology. How important has it been for you as someone running the ship, essentially, that you need to learn, okay, this is what everybody does. Because yeah. who knows? I mean, someday you may be a hitting coach. You right. may be a bench coach. You may be a manager. You may yeah. be – I mean, you. there's a lot of different avenues to go. You know, the, the direction you're going with your career, yeah. there's a lot of different ways you could go. Yeah, I mean, for that, I try to educate myself all the time. I'm always reading. I, I try to read – you know, right now I'm reading the MVP machine. I know it's been out for a while. Yeah. But stuff like that. I talk about technology. Um, and I, that's what you got to keep on educating yourself if you're gonna if you're gonna be a good coach. Like you said, you could become a, a hitting coach or an infield coach, and you got to know how to use this technology to help the player out to maximize his abilities. 
So, but then again, we have Keith Lippman as well, who you know built, encourages you, who motivates you to be educated. You know, and that's always he's always available to talk to, which is awesome. You know, he's a huge mentor to me. I mean, he's only been doing this for like fifty something years, <laughs> and has won every single possible award you <laughs> can win, right? right? Yeah. By the way, I don't know if you'd be a good base running coach. I don't know if you could get these kids to run around the bases as fast well, as you that's did. Well, that's a problem, I feel like, in the game right now. I feel like we got to really teach these kids how to base run. I mean, I know you're kind of we didn't show them. Around, the, we, we didn't show them the video of you, your uh, home run yeah. try. Well, that's, that's just running the, on a home run, but the real true base <laughs> runner. I, like, <laughs> I feel like that needs to be addressed, and that's a, one of our, our major goals this year. Well, that we was clearly one of your strengths was your ability because there's something about it's just not running fast too many people think like oh he's a fast runner it's the routes that you take right. it's knowing all the outfielders arms right. knowing where the yes. ball is picking up your coaches i yep. mean there's an art to being a good base runner yeah. to where you don't even have to be that fast and i'll give you a guy who i thought was really underrated at that was matt olson yeah he had good well, instincts yeah i mean they talk about even I mean, he's a bigger guy too, yeah. right? And you don't think he's going to steal or that he's going to go first to third. I feel like a guy similar to that that I've heard about, like Paul O'Neill, was good at that, like being kind of tricky. People don't think he was going to steal because he's kind of tall and yeah. big. But, yeah, you're right. Like there's there's opportunities to take that extra base, but you have to pre-pitch the situation. You have to know the outfielder's arm. You have to know who's catching behind home plate. You have to know the pitcher's tendencies. You have to know the situation of the game. There's a lot that goes into base running that I don't – uh, for me personally, I feel like I need a coach better on or at least um, deliver the message better for our players at that level, you know. When you talk about managing, what's the best part of managing guys and the toughest part? I mean, the best part of managing guys is being on the field with them. Like I said, under, like feeling for them, having that compassion for them and teaching them that passion for the game, you know, that's that comes natural to me. The toughest part is, you know, when they struggle or they talk about playing time, it's it's really tough to be like, man, like, nothing we could do right now. Um, another challenge is not only with the players, but actually, like, managing the staff, too, making sure I utilize my staff, that they're doing their job, and that, I, that I'm helping the best that I can. I'm helping them the best that I can delegate to them what I'm what I expect to see with our system, you know, at that level. So th those are a couple challenges, a couple fun things, a couple challenges about managing. And also you got to do it DA's way. There's a way yeah. that they want you to implement, right? I feel like that comes natural for me, though, you know, because I've always valued the A's way, you know, and I, you know, I always um, appreciate or, or respect the coordinators, too, you know. You got Steve Scarson as the, the base running outfielder, you have Juan Neverready as the infield coordinator, Jim Eppert as the hitting coordinator. So you respect what they bring to the game, their A's way of educating and coaching these players. And I kind of just help them out the best I can, deliver their message the A's way, you know. How much have you learned about pitching? And that's where I faltered last year is that I, I learned a lot. I did from, from Casey Upperman who is brilliant, that we're so lucky to have him at that level. But my goal this year is to really learn a lot more about pitching. Yeah, at, at our level, we're, they have pitch counts. You know, there's a, um, 
and they're, it, we're kind of told when to bring the guy and when not to bring the guy, when he's going to pitch, when he's not going to pitch. So I don't have to, like, run a bullpen, you know. But I still have to make the schedule so I'm seeing the pitcher's sides. So I understand what they're working on and why they're working on it a little bit better. And that's where I kind of, like, dropped the ball last year. It was my first year doing it. But I really have a goal for myself to learn the pitching more this year. It's really cool because you're getting an opportunity in this system and the way baseball has just changed at the lower levels that years ago guys didn't get this kind of opportunity. So, yeah. I mean, you're getting on your resume managing experience <laughs> and you're learning on the job to potentially, because I know ideally you'd want to be a big league manager. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, you, I aspire to, to help out or contribute in the major league somehow, some way um, in the future. But, yeah, to, to have this opportunity – to be a manager at this level, you know, I, I was trying to like, my, my, my mentality was to kind of just walk in and uh, and just get my feet wet, you know, but the A's, it seems like they value me and who I am as a person, what I can give back to these players and, and to, to have this managerial role is really special to me. They talk about ex-players can struggle at times because guys can't do what they did, right? You want to go, well, why can't you do it? This is Because you did it, so you expect them to do it. I just Do you ever struggle because of your great enthusiasm that you brought every day no matter what? A lot of people are not going to be able to bring that. Have you ever struggled with the fact that they can't, bring what you brought every day i think you know what you asked me the question earlier and i think that might be the number one thing is that the high expectations i put on these players that i really shouldn't because of the way i was doesn't mean they need to bring that every day like i did you I brought it every day i, I did because i i made a pact to myself that i was going to do that you know and if i didn't do that i feel like the opportunity would have slid by me and that's what i I do address that to my players. I remember playing in Billings, Montana, and how my mentality, how important those days were for me, that I couldn't miss a pitch. Is that, and that's what the message I deliver to these young players. I really tell them that every pitch matters. If you want to get to where the major leaguers are, that's the way you have to take this because we're not – that good we gotta we gotta develop every single day but do they take it maybe some days but i can't expect them to play the way i did you know because it's there's there's other qualities that they have that i might not have had at that level you know i kind of like it i think you should expect because <laughs> you played the game the right way you know there was a time i don't remember what year it was i remember you came in with the rangers and I came and found you in the uh, visiting clubhouse to, to be my pregame interview. And we did the interview. And, like, a week later, you were back in Oakland. <laughs> and then remember that time? It's like you went it – it was a thing basically saying people want you. Yeah. But cool. there was that time where you were – it was like a, a, a two, of the, two of the best teams in the division kept sending you back and forth. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. Oakland and Texas in 2013. Was that? That was a crazy time. To sum it up, my wife was in Oakland, waiting to see what was going to happen next. I was in Toronto with Oakland, and our car, with all of our stuff in it, 
was in Texas. <laughs> so we were, we were all over the place. We didn't know what to expect. But, yeah, you're right, though. There's Both teams wanted me for the playoffs. The utility guy to come off the bench. Can run, can yeah, do, yeah. To, to fill in positions if somebody got hurt possibly or whatever it was. Yeah, both teams wanted me, but it was crazy. I think somebody else had that happen to him this year or couple, last couple of years. They actually made like a rule about it. <laughs> oh, it was nuts. And, and and because of that, I mean, I don't want to speak for you and your wife, but you guys were kind of in the off season. You really didn't have, you you, you decided just, because I remember you visited a lot of family. You guys are very religious. Yeah. You visited a lot of family and mm-hmm. stuff. I think one of the reasons why is because you never knew where you were going to be, right? <laughs> we never knew. Yeah, we never knew where we are going to be. And that's why like, I talk about having compassion for these players. Totally. Especially coming here for spring training, they invited me over for a week or so. And just to, you know, gel with these players, but, hey, I know what you're going through, especially this last week of spring training is really tough on a player, you know, that's on the on the brink of making the team or not. And I just, just I understand how you feel, man. It's the compassion that I have. It brings me back to those days where I was on the fence, you know, all the majority of my career was on the fence. And you never know where you're going to be. But that's why you got to enjoy where you are in the moment, you know. It's living on the edge. It's, li- <laughs> it's living on – well, you know what it, it is? is? You always had – you had compassion, you had gratitude, you had a lot mm-hmm. of the things that will, will, will make a manager, uh, make good qualities for a manager. And let's talk throughout the season. Yes. As you know, you're Come always on. one of my favorite players. Oh, thank you. And Tom having you on now, it's awesome. And, and, yeah. and I do think – Bob Melvin thinks there's a good chance you will be a big league manager someday. Well, that's pretty neat. That's pretty. That's a lofty goal for sure. There's a lot that I got to learn still, um, but it, it, that would be pretty special. And I mean, to bring up Bob Melvin, he's just. That's. Just, I was talking to Stephen Vote about Bob Melvin yesterday. Vote, voter and I were on the bench out at Camelback Ranch just before he went in the game, just discussing how special Bob Mel was to us in our careers. And to us as people, so I mean that's what you aspire to be like, you know, like a, a someday for sure. Well, I think Mark Katze has a lot of that in. There's him. no question. Yeah, I mean, I've, I was around Katze a little bit in 2017. Uh, he was the bench coach, you know, for part of the year, uh, but he had like a, a family uh, with his daughter, or whatever. But I got to know him a little bit, and just to be around here at spring training. It's been great to be around Kate. The energy, the enthusiasm that he brings every day. And a toughness. And the, there's no question. Right. He brings yeah. in a as, – as nice – I mean, Kate's the nicest guy, but <laughs> even from his playing days till now, he's got that edge. He does have that edge. It's, it's neat. And I learn a lot just from watching from afar, you know. I've always watched the managers, especially being that role player, the, the bench player. I've always kept an eye on a manager – the way that they run their ship, you know, I've always kind of paid attention to that. Well, the one thing that you do know is Ace fans will always love you. <laughs> you always have that home with the Ace because yeah. it's just the way you played, and you'll yeah. always be a fan favorite. No, I appreciate that. It's it's great to be here at spring training and seeing the Ace fans too and them supporting the team, you know. It's, it's fantastic. Well, let's stay in touch throughout the season and uh, right. follow you and see how everything's going. All right, Tomsey. All right, good buddy. We'll, uh, we'll see you down the line. All right, thanks for having me on. From Rosie to Vinny, Vince Catronia, one of our broadcasters for the Oakland Athletics, caught up with him on the field here at Ho-Ho Camp. Well, it is spring training, and we always love to bring him on before we head back to Oakland and the Bay Area. He is one of the voices of your Oakland Athletics, the great Vince Catronio. Vinny, 
How have you been? It's been a while since we've seen you. You look fabulous, ready to get on that long road trip starting in Philadelphia. I'm just glad we're able to all get together. I know it was so stressful during the winter for everybody, trying to wait out the lockout and see uh, ultimately what was going to happen. Spring training certainly different this year, very compacted. A lot of things are happening uh, at a much quicker pace, but breaking camp, watching Mark Hatze run his first big league camp and seeing a lot of new faces and learning a lot of new names and certainly all the change that's happened with this ball club with, with the roster, that's, that's the storyline. I mean, the A's were going to be the linchpin coming out of the lockout, knowing that there was already conversation that the A's were going to be aggressive moving players, and it's been true to form so far. I mean, they've moved several and probably listening to – opportunities for others but away we go and just thankful we've got some baseball we're going to get a full season in and glad you guys got a chance to come down here and enjoy some spring training weather you know you, you mentioned Marcotze and we just heard from him and obviously what we're going to be airing this on A's cast and also tomorrow on our live show but you know you wonder how a guy is going to react and handle himself in the job and obviously the 17 years in the big leagues for years being on the staff, still being around the organization, it's just such a great fit, right? He just steps right in. He knows everybody. If you had brought somebody in that wasn't from within the organization, it would have been that awkward short spring training game to know everybody. It's just like he fits like a glove, right? He does, and, and even with that said, he's still very active. You watch him during workouts, and he is bouncing around, trying to talk to people, reminding people of the culture he's trying to establish or continue that was here for so many years under Bob Melvin, but he still needs to put his stamp on it, and he still needs to learn how to, how to do this. I mean, the, we know the game is very fast, and decisions, especially for the manager, are made split second, and they have to be anticipated and thought out well before the game even begins. And that's a process that's going to take some time for Mark, but so much time in the game. He's been around so many great major league managers, guys that he's now leaned on as this process has continued to get some insight. Uh, we all know the kind of player that Mark Hatze was. He's the kind of player you wish you had on your team. And he's going to try to mold players to be that guy. He knows how to play the game right, knows how to run the bases, tries not to make too many mistakes. Uh, if he makes the mistake once, you don't believe it's going to happen again. It's going to be a different club. I mean, they're not going to have the power. They're going to have to be able to take the extra base. They're going to have to be able to produce uh, defensively in terms of uh, just preventing runs as best they can, although they don't have the same kind of defense they've had in the past. They've got to make the ordinary plays. That's what you're asking for, and, and then we'll see how it plays out. Well, and what I like about him is that he is going to, a lot like Bob Melvin, still have that fiery side, right? There's, there's going to be times where you're going to have to pack guys on the bat and there's going to be times you got to kick guys in the butt, and I think he has that ability in that respect, and that's going to be key because, you know, talking yesterday with some of the players, you know, it's one thing to be a coach on the staff and everybody likes you, but then now you're the head guy. you got to have some tough conversations. Absolutely, and, and he's learning that, whether it's sending guys down to minor league camp coming out of spring training here or telling guys that they're not getting playing time because of A, B, or C. We know that Bob Melvin was a great communicator. One of the strengths that he had is – players walked into the clubhouse and they knew their role they knew that they were playing that day or if they if they were a part-time player they knew when their days were coming so they could prepare and be the best possible player they could be on, the, on that given day so you know, managing a bullpen is going to be a challenge and especially for the A's, which is going to be a whole lot of new faces and a lot of bumps along the way and trying to give guys opportunities to see who can have some success that's going to be a challenge for mark but again uh, he said in his initial 
Zoom with all of us when he was announced as the manager when somebody asked him about his style as opposed to Bob. We know Bob probably wasn't as fiery externally, but we know it was burning internally, and he certainly lived and died with every win and every loss. I think you will see more of an outward emotion from Marcotte on given times throughout the course of the season, during the course of certain games. A, re- a reminder that Marcotte is his own man, and that has to be something he has to trust and believe in from all of his time in the big leagues. I like to think that here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live, we give an insight into the ball club and the clubhouse that a lot of people don't see. And as I went up and talked to Sean Manai today, obviously when, when you hear this, you're going to know he's already been traded. But when we're doing this, he has just been traded. Went up and talked to him a little bit. Then I'm interviewing Dalton Jeffries. And you and Ken go up to say goodbye to him. His teammates, Chad Pender was there for a while. Obviously, the battles and all the wins and everything they went through, he was very emotional, and he had tears in his eyes, and he cried. And it just – I think people need to realize that, yeah, A's players are not going to stay here for their entire career, but the time that they're here, it means so much to them, and it's the family bond. And it also is one of the reasons why, Vince, that we've seen for so many years why guys love to come back at the end of their career. Well, you know – those of us that have been with Shamanaya since day one, yeah. since he got to the big leagues as a herald of prospect from the Royals in the Ben Zobra Steel and seeing him have some peaks and some valleys and then really kind of arriving on the scene last year, uh, even though he'd already pitched successfully in previous years, but it seemed like he finally he finally landed. And now you've got the baseline of what to expect from him. Uh, the tough thing about this year for me, Chris, is that, yes, moves are made, and the A's are a team that has been active in the past, but it's happening in spring training, and guys are already in the clubhouse, and they're trying to get ready, first with Matt Olson and then with Matt Chapman. You know, Chris Bassett was traded before we got a chance to see him, but the same now with Sean Manaya. That That is jolting. I mean, that's jarring. Around the trading deadline, you're used to that because you hear a lot of the chatter, and guys certainly know what's happening. Their agents know what's happening. They read social media as well, but happening now in spring training is a much different feeling, and you mentioned Chad Pinder, who was – the leader of Pindergarten, if you will, back in the minor leagues when he had Olsen and Chapman coming up. And he was their quiet leader. He was the one that they kind of leaned on the most for the maturity that they eventually grew into. And seeing that happen uh, again, you know, this weekend with Sean Manaya going to the Padres, it's it's uh, it's hard. It's, it's hard to see happen, but it's the nature of what the A's direction is in 2022. And we'll see how it plays out. And also breaking today. I mean, there's breaking news and there's crazy breaking news. This is not really that big of breaking news, but Frankie Montas is going to be the opening day starter. As Mark Kotze said, he has earned it. I mean, obviously he was the guy. And we look at his future. If Frankie goes out and pitches really well, man, he will be a valuable commodity as we start heading into late July. Well, he- if he stays that long, certainly he had a great second half last year for the Athletics. He, again, a guy that began to get a better understanding of how to use his sequencing of fastball, slider, and split. Uh, he's out there, and he's a guy you feel like you got a chance to win with. You have a chance to, to keep the other team off the board, and that gives you an opportunity with the ace kind of offense this year, which is going to have to be moving runners and and scoring on extra base hits and taking the extra base because you mean next- playing baseball? We have might, to get back to playing baseball. It might, it might be happening. Not yeah. not not beer league softball home run derby walk home run. Right. I, I do think out of spring training, uh, one guy that's kind of jumped off the page and the numbers back it up is watching a kid like Kevin Smith. 
And you have to remember the other side of this, too. A guy like Kevin Smith from the Blue Jays or Christian Pache coming from the Atlanta Braves. These guys were in organizations in their spring training, and they're going cross-country to a new organization for who they were traded for. And expectations rise, and you have to be able to stay with who you are true to yourself. And Kevin Smith had some of those trials and tribulations in the Blue Jays organization, changing a swing, then going back to who he is, which provided him with power at AAA last year. We've seen it here. Pache is a he's a special defender. He's a young player, and I don't want to make any kind of judgments on him offensively until I see maybe 300 at bats just to kind of start to see what he can do. As this spring training has gone along, he's gotten more comfortable in the box. He's not quite as much of a free swinger as we saw when he first got here. Just want Christian Pache to be himself. But when when Mark Kotze says Andrew Jones and Christian Pache in the same sentence, talking about this kid's defense in center field, that will be something to behold, to watch him run the ball down at the Coliseum. I'm excited to see that happen. Just got to be honest, some worries here. I mean, obviously you're going to go from a starting staff that led the American League in innings pitch to now you don't even know who's taking the ball right now for a lot of these early starts and a lot of question marks for the bullpen. It's going to be unpredictable, and I think it's going to be unpredictable even for the team's let's say like the Padres, who are eight or nine deep in the rotation, how long will these guys go their first or two times out? Will they go five innings? Will they only go three or four? Who's backing them up? The A's are in that category. And, again, we've talked about this, Ken and I, on, on multiple occasions during spring training. One, Lou Trevino looks great. He, he's got his fire back. He's got command back. Uh, going down to uh, the Cressy Institute during the winter and having conversations with Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, about 50 guys down there just picking their brains and allowing their neuroscience to kind of help him, as he talked about, uh, not falling off of his front side, which hopefully will will make him a better closer because the A's were in it until the end of August, and Lou was right in the middle of that storm, and he couldn't get his way out of it. So I think there's some confidence there for him. So the games that you have the lead, let's say it's 6-2 to two in the sixth inning, how they're going to get it to Lou or how are they going to get it to the house, that's going to be an enormous challenge and a great unknown. And they have to win those games. The reality is this club is going to have a hard time winning games. But when you have the lead, you know, sixth inning, seventh inning, you have to be able with a combination of arms to be able to take those games home and get the wins that you feel like you should, be, you should have. And they lose more of those, it's going to be – uh, really taxing for, for Marcotte. So you've been down here. You've been calling all the games. You've seen these guys. Out of the new guys, who are you excited about to watch and grow? Well, the two I mentioned, Kevin Smith, who can play third, short, and second, I think you'll see more time at second and at third base. He's got sneaky pop on his bat. He doesn't look like a guy that can drive the ball, but he can. And, again, Pache, just watching him glide in the outfield, just the way he, he tracks the ball, the way he gets great jumps on the ball, plays shallow, dares you to hit over his head, and he can get to that baseball. There are the two probably at the top of the list. I mean, quite frankly, all the arms, uh, you know, bullpen-wise, have just they've just been okay. Nothing has really jumped off the page for me in that regard. And it'll be interesting to see uh, who gets another golden ticket, as we were talking about with Mark Kotze. You know, Adam Oller gets a golden ticket, pitches in Australia, Pitches in, uh, you know, independent ball. Now he's in the big leagues and likely in the opening rotation for the club. So who else? Is there somebody else, a non-roster guy that we're not, uh, that we're not thinking about that, that might make the club based on what they've done at the beginning of spring training? But, again, opening day is just one day. This club will go through a lot of players. There will be a lot of movement, and we'll see 
eventually what they what they have moving forward. And well, you know, as we saw yesterday at first base, I mean, I don't know if it was Don Mattingly or Keith Hernandez or JT Snow, but that guy yesterday was picking balls left and right. Got a new first baseman, Stephen Vogt. Yeah, he's his name sounds familiar. <laughs> I think he's been around here before. I mean, you know, having Vote and Lowry Gold back. Gold Lover? It'll be fun just to, just to have that presence. And what they, you know, Jed is, as I call him, the cage whisperer. You know, back behind the scenes in the back cage behind the clubhouse, the stuff that he did with Altuve and Bregman and Springer, and then he did with the A's with Matt and Matt and others. He can bring that kind of information and, you know, coach speak, if you will, to the Kevin Smiths of the world, to the Pache's of the world, young guys that are going to get their chance with the club and just give them some, you know, player-to-player conversation that I think will help them in the long run. Yeah, you know, one thing that's going to be tough, obviously, for all of us, and, you know, it's already started in spring, but we'll definitely start through the season, is no Ray Fossey and what he meant, as we always called him, the face of the franchise, what he meant to this franchise. So uh, it'll be it'll be tough to start the season. It has already been tough. I mean, because he does every spring training game with Ken and I, and he sits in the middle, and we've joked about, you know, different moments that have happened this spring, that that's a Ray moment going to get kettle corn or, or talking about a catcher or stealing a base, you know, him going down into that catcher's fraternity again and having that conversation. Just the smile and the enthusiasm. And spring training always began with the two-part interview with Billy Bean. I mean, it's been that way as long as I've been around for 17 years and not having that this year. It, it, it is – it's trying. It's trying for all of us. I know uh, uh, on the A's radio network and yourself, we will be celebrating Ray throughout the course of the year. There will be some times where we'll hear Ray's voice and different interviews and different things that he's done, some of the moments he's had on the air, which are unforgettable, that we all all had fun with with Ray. And, yeah, it's 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 an enormous hole. I said it on day one of spring training. There's a hole in our heart. There's a hole in our booth. And we'll have to soldier on. And he would expect us to, to, to do the job the way he expects us to do the job. And we'll, we'll – we will do him proud by our, by our by our work up there for sure. All right, buddy. Good Back on the road. You look great, by the way. Back on the road. You're like a three now? You're like a three, aren't you? No. Yeah. I lost a ton of weight. My handicap went up. I don't know. I need, I need to, like, Dave, I'm like David Duvall. So I, so I have a chance. <laughs> All great right. to see the commander down here as well. Uh, your partner basically got you into 81 pregame shows. Okay. Just want to let you know that. <laughs> Remember, I weaned you off of that. You're now back. I've got my lawyer's number right here. I'm, your agent. I'll, I, I'll put him in touch with you. You're, you, you, Ken Clark went above your agent and volunteered <laughs> you for 81 pregames. Looking forward to it. All right, buddy. And from radio to TV, the TV face of your Oakland Athletics, Glenn Kuyper. He will not be on the call. He'll be on the call tomorrow for the final game. Glenn Kuyper joins us, the face of A's television. So today you're just, just hanging around? Well, I'm... You know, obviously down here, nothing else to do. Family's back home. So why not come out and watch the game? Giants and the A's, that's fun. So, yeah, I like being at the ballpark in spring training because you can really just kind of relax and hang out. And you know what? If it's a bad game, you can just take off. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I can't do that during the regular season. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know what? It's great. It's, you know, 95 degrees. What more could you ask for? So It's the calm before the storm because before you know it, you're going to be off to Philadelphia and uh, heading into stormy weather there yeah. in Philly. More ways than one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, Philly, it's kind of weird because really it's a four-city road trip for us because you have to include Phoenix, right? I mean, we're here and we're leaving on Wednesday from here. So you go hot weather, cold weather. Tampa's hot. 
Toronto's cold, so it's a very strange road trip. But uh, it's going to be a tough trip. I think the Ace, they really need to play good baseball, and you say that every day, but when it's when you start the season against three really good teams on the road and there's, you know, you're a team that has some question marks now, I think you really got to be careful. They need to play good baseball the first two weeks. You know, for you, people don't understand is most people that pack for these trips – it doesn't matter what you wear. I mean, you just got to look professional. You got to mm-hmm. show up to the ballpark. For you, you have an outfit that's going to be on television every single day. So you got to you got to pack for just getting around town and having a regular life. And then you got to pack suits. You got to pack whatever <laughs> the NBC logo shirt. Got to have the logo. Yeah, I mean that packing for you is a no joke kind of deal. This was the this and, and I yeah my wife looks at me like. Just pack. It's not that big of a deal, but I think about it, right? Totally. Um, and not not so much because, oh, what are you going to look like? But it's it's just you got to have stuff. And this was the hardest trip to pack for ever because of the weather. Four, you got four different cities. You're literally going hot, cold, hot, cold. You got two domes indoors. So Toronto, you're going to be walking into the ballpark. It's going to be freezing, but it's a dome. Yeah. So you could have a golf shirt on. So these are all really, really important things that I think about on a day-to-day basis. Well, you have to match your partner if you're doing polos, right? There's no matching my partner. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? We just we sort of let him just do his thing. He's at his best. But yeah, if if he's wearing a polo, I usually wear a polo. That kind of thing. But you know, but yeah, it it was a it was a challenge this time. Plus, you know, Southwest. If you're flying southwest, 50 pounds, it's got to be under 50 pounds. I came in at 49.5. Wow. Yeah, the guy said, you're okay. I was like, thank you. Out of here. Got to go. You're you're a bottle of hairspray yeah. away yeah. from being over. That's what at 49.5 I was. I just snuck in. So. Well, you know, the really good news that, that's being announced, because, you know, we've, we've waited, and because obviously we're going to honor what we're going to do here on Ace Cast and what we're going to do on the radio broadcast is honor Ray on a daily basis. And I know what you guys are going to do on the television side. And now we're finally announcing that we're going to have the patch on the home white jerseys. Just so fitting, and it's just wonderful to hear. Yeah, it's great. I, I, I was hoping that would happen. I think we all were. Uh, classy move by the A's organization. Um, I did actually get a, a quick glimpse of the patch, um, and it's it's very nice. Fits Ray perfect, um, so I, yeah, I'm I'm super glad they're doing that. And obviously, we all think he's worth it. But uh, uh, yeah, and it, it's it's going to be a strange year. I mean, it it's it's hard, and I'm sure it is for you too. It's hard for me to talk about sometimes. I get emotional because it's just strange that he's not here. It's just very weird, you know. And and um, I think we'll get used to it as time goes on, but. It's never really going to quite be the same in the A's broadcast booth um, without him because he was such a larger-than-life figure. And when he came into the booth, man, he was ready to go. He was ready to go because he just loved the game, right? There was never any, oh, man, uh, no. He was ready to go. And I said it, uh, we did a tribute to him, put some stuff on tape, and I said, "I I, I think it was his happy place being at the ballpark, especially the Coliseum. It was his happy place. Yeah, you know he just wanted to be at the ballpark, um, and so he's he's going to be missed, man. But uh, 
I, I hope he's he's I hope he's happy because when we last saw him, he was not. He just he was not doing good health wise, and and turns out he was struggling more than we thought, unfortunately. But uh, we'll miss the big man. But uh, uh, you know what? It's it's good that the A's are doing it, and we're all going to do it. You guys, I know he's got thousands yeah. of interviews that you totally. can run, right? Yeah. I mean, you think about it. We talk to him every day every in day. the pregame show. Yep. Every day, talk to him, and uh, and that was like one of the things that hit me recently was when we're like, okay, you know, we got to structure the pregame show, and all of a sudden there's like this big hole of, mm-hmm. well, that's where Ray was, mm-hmm. and we're gonna have to. And I don't think anyone can fill that. And I, I one thing that will be super cool. It's gonna take some time, but you know, like. When we're in Toronto or Tampa or wherever to play some of his old interviews that are, are around those teams mm-hmm. and to hear those interviews. And he talked to the biggest names, right? I mean, he, he's Ray Fossey. Yeah. So when I talk to those people, they don't know who I am and they don't care. But he's Ray Fossey. Yeah. So you can tell that respect in those interviews. No question. He, yeah, you're right. Everybody knew him in opposing ballparks. So. It wasn't like he was introducing himself to anybody. So he could go up to anybody really he wanted from the opposing team, whether it be a former player or broadcast, anybody. Um, and they were going to do what he asked, right? I mean, we played the Angels almost every game. You'd see him down in the field batting practice. He'd be talking to Mike Trout. I'd be scared to death to talk to Mike Trout, right? <laughs> you know? And, I mean, Trout's the nicest guy in the world, but, you know – yeah, he had he had an aura about him because of who he was and as a player and a great broadcaster. But yeah, he he could go up to anybody and they knew who he was and and they were more than happy to do what he wanted. You know, the town that means a lot to to both of you guys is Cleveland, and I remember being in Cleveland, getting off the bus there. Is it a Four Seasons or Ritz Carlton? I think it's a Ritz. Yeah. So you, you get off, and now that these guys are gone, you can say there's no problem. Nobody, so all the fans were outside the bus. <laughs> no one could care. Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, they walked by. No one cared. Everybody had Ray Fossey stuff. Yeah, they knew. Absolutely. I Everybody, mean, all the people, he signed Mr. Fossey, Mr. Yeah, Fossey. And then yeah. I did Heritage Park with him. Yeah. We went out and did the interview at That's his plaque, great. which is right next to your brother's. Yeah, yeah. How's your brother doing? He's good. Yeah, he's uh, he's. He's getting close to 100% um, health-wise. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He's he's working on his endurance. I guess is the best yeah. way to put it. He wants to be able to do all the home games. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to do three and then have to take a day off. But he's going to be ready to go on Friday for the Giants opener, um, and that's going to be that's going to be good for him mentally as well i mean he wants to he wants to work he wants to be at the ballpark that's he's what like make, ray that, yeah that's what makes him go especially with what he's been through so but he, he's doing he's he's doing good he's not 100 percent, but he's close and that's important and it's always so tough to tell someone like that and who you love so much that it's okay to not do all the games yeah, yeah. and they may not want to hear that but it's like you don't have to do all 162 no, anymore no. and i and my brother has realized it now and he's okay with it but to try to tell Ray Fossey to take some time off? He would not do oh, it. Oh, it was like you were asking him to chop his finger off, that crooked <laughs> finger that he had, right? He just, I mean, he would actually get mad if you say, Ray, why don't you, you know, take the weekend off? Seriously, he did not like that. But that was his mentality, right? 
just like that when he he was like that as a player. Let's go. Doubleheader, I'm playing too. That doesn't change when that's your mentality since you were 17, 18 years old playing professional baseball. So those guys have that. There's a reason why they got to where they got to as players. And uh, But, yeah, I, I think my brother is starting to realize, you know what? Maybe 110 is fine, right? You know, I'm not a young man anymore, so he's going to be fine, and that's good. You know, the last couple of years, you guys have been coming up with all kinds of new stuff on the broadcast. You had the stuff where the you're showing the wind, the way the wind comes in, how wind it affects big. the ball. Yeah. Yeah. How about the thing where the Coliseum's outfield wall <laughs> yeah. versus yeah. other teams? Like, yeah. do we got any new stuff for the A's telecast? Can't tell you, Tony. Don't want to reveal that until no Friday. Tees. Can't tell you. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it's fun. And, and I think, you know, you always look, and I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about our, you know, our producers and, and the guys who put this stuff together back in the office. But you're always looking for something that's different that you can put on a telecast. Totally, yeah. Because the game itself is still the game. It's, there's only so many things you can do, right? You, center field camera shoots the pitch. and You know what I mean? So where can you throw something new in there? And the win thing was pretty cool. We got a lot of compliments on that because it does have an effect on the game especially at the Coliseum where it's a little funky, right, where it's windy. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a big deal, and I'm sure we're going to have that again this year. But it also gives you something to talk about. And, you know, the, the, the different dimensions of the other stadiums that were in overlaying the Coliseum to see how different they are, I mean, that gives a viewer, if you show that to them early in the game, it gives them a concept of, wow, I didn't think the stadium in Anaheim was that big, or I'm surprised that it's shorter in right field there than it is at the Coliseum. So it gives the viewer yeah. something to kind of think about as they're watching the game as well. So that that's sort of what we try to do, but it's hard to come up with new stuff. Um, but but those are a couple things that we have had, had some fun with, and I think people like it. I love the wind because – for the media, we're allowed on the field during batting practice, and the wind blows one way. Mm-hmm. We're not allowed during the game. But for me, all the years working for the Raiders, I knew how the wind changed night games versus day games. Yeah. Now, during the NFL games, no one cares about the wind. But you know for field goals, there was a – Sure. So when you guys started showing that, I went, oh, yeah, because it flips. Yeah. It's amazing how the wind in the Coliseum is different. Or I should just say this. When the sun's out versus when the sun's down, the wind's different. Yeah, but I think, too, Tony, it's also different in left field than it is in right field. Completely. Which, which there's you, a swirl going Yeah, on. which you could make the argument when the Raiders were playing, it would be different in one end zone than in the other end zone. Yes. Right? So I, I think some ballparks it's probably not that interesting, but it definitely is in the Coliseum because you have the breezeways up top in left field. You have the breezeway up top in right field. The wind comes through there. So there are a lot of things that going on. And now you can say, Hey, it's really windy tonight. It's going to knock the ball down by 10 feet, which that's our graphic shows that. So that to me tells you a lot because we can then go back and say, Hey, that ball that Mike Trout hit out, if there was no wind, it wouldn't have went out. Or you know what I mean? We yeah. we can we can say, hey, this probably this probably would have yeah. happened or would have happened if there was no wind at all. So again, just something different to talk about and something different for the viewers to to see and and have it in their mind as part of the game they're watching. All right. So you have the cities that you go to 
every single year. Then there's the cities that pop up every four years. That will change with the new schedule coming up. Which is awesome, by the way. I, 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 I love agree. that. You I, guys love that? I want to see the best players love routinely. That. Love it. Uh, for you, Philadelphia, sneaky good old school restaurant town. Yeah. Do you have a go-to in Philly? No, I, I can't say I have a go-to because I just haven't been there enough. I think I've been there twice, maybe three times with the athletics. So you, you not enough time, sneaky go-to. But I, you know, you always say, well, the cheesesteak thing. The cheesesteak thing is for real, by the yeah. way. <laughs> you know, it's it's not one of those things where you just, t- people are like, oh, yeah, Philly, cheesesteak, okay. I mean, they are ridiculously good. And last time I was there, it was lunch, first day we were in, and I said, well, I got to go have one. Went and had one. It was so good that I got back in line and had another one. So double gut bomb at 12.15. Wow, that's strong. Went back the next day and had another one. They're so good. So that's the real deal there. Um, You want a Philly tip? Yes. Okay, so right before COVID hit, we did the East Coast trip with the kids, and the Hall of Famer, Jason Stark. Yeah gave me this recommendation ralph's okay it's the oldest italian restaurant in the country really fabulous all the mobsters used to hang out there in philly it's got a whole history to it but it's in the italian part of town i'm a mobster guy too you go to the website i don't know the names because it's not that you you know the names of the new york mobsters not the philly but all the philly mobsters hung out here ralph's highly recommend it you're going to be there for three days uh maybe a rain issues yeah so. maybe friday but that's our so r- good that's good to know because Ralphs. we could get well we i mean thursday we're there it's an off day so that's good to know and if it's a place where the mobsters hung out i gotta go yeah it's a whole thing on the website about which mobsters yeah. oh and when you're in there yeah you feel it you feel really? like someone may come out of the bathroom and cap you you know what i did <laughs> so we're so we're in new york this was about 12 years ago and we were staying fairly close to the Spark Steakhouse. Yeah. That's where Paulie Castellano gets shot right out in front, right? Right out like, in front. I got to go. I mean, I'm not trying to make it cool that the guy got shot, but he was, you John, know, John Mafia G- Don, right? John Gotti was in the John car down the street watching Watching, it. right? So I said, I got to go in this place. So I'm by myself, walk in. I'm standing on the out in front looking where he got shot, right, which is kind of weird. So I'm like, I'm going to go in there, and I'm just going to sit at the bar, and I'm going to have a beer. So now I'm sitting there, and there's a there's a vibe in there, right? I mean, it's a great back house. rooms, yeah. right? So I'm thinking I want to ask the bartender, "Hey, talk to me." But I was like, I wasn't sure if that was a good idea. So I said, "Hey," I said, "What room did Castellano like go to?" And the guy looked at me like, "Really bad question. Really? You're not going to get an answer." And Let's just finish up that beer. And really? I was like, it's like, yeah, okay, I, my bad. Sorry. Bad question. I mean, this happened really a, too question. soon? It happened a year. <laughs> it happened in 1985, I think. <laughs> so I always chuckle. I had to go in there. I just I was like, I got I to gotta see this. I got to see this place. Overstepped my boundaries a little bit. So, so, so I had, then I had to walk back to the hotel. <laughs> are you saying they don't have places like that in Danville? There no, there are no hot spots in Danville. <laughs> Fair question, not that I know of. All right, buddy. Well, uh, safe travels. Yeah, you know what? Looking forward to Friday. I mean, really, after all we've been through, the lockout just stunk. Right? It was miserable. 
glad that's over. We don't have to worry about it. And uh, get this thing going. And let's hope the A's can surprise some people. That, uh, that would be that would be a good thing. One last joke. Uh, you guys going to have name tags on the flight? Yes. I, I hope the players do, for, By the our, way, for our sake. Hi, I'm Glenn Kuyper. I'm the television guy. <laughs> hi, I'm Glenn Kuyper. Damn glad to meet you. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to take a little time, but that's all right. We're You know what? It's big league baseball, and we're going to have a good time. So Don't forget that wind's coming out of right center. Yeah, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> the great Glenn Kuyper, the face of A's television. And then right before he left to get back to the Bay Area, Martin Gallegos from MLB.com broke down the Oakland Athletics for 2022. Martin, how are you, buddy? Good to see you down here at spring so training. Fun. Good to see you. You've been down here for a, few, for, for a while. Yeah, since March 1st. Minor league stuff was going on, just sticking around, seeing how long the lockout was going to drag out. I was got to a point where I was about to go back home, and about a day later, that was when we all got the you know news that you know, baseball was coming back. Spring training was going to start up. So stayed out here. I had to move hotels. You know, I had to extend my car rental. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's been, it's, I feel like it's been two lifetimes. There was the first two weeks there was nothing going on. Now everything's been going on the last two weeks as we get ready for this thing. Well, what's kind of crazy about this spring as the last three spring trainings, you can't even really say there was a spring training in 2020, is you had a full spring already with the minor league guys. So you got a chance to cover all those guys. They've now come and gone. They've left. Mm-hmm. And we're down to the 40-man roster. So let's start with, I guess, the first part of spring. How was it dealing with the young guys? And how, when you look at the top prospects, how do they look? Yeah, it was cool just to get a, a closer look at everybody. You know, we, we always hear about these guys like Tyler Soderstrom, Zach Geloff, uh, Robert Poisson, all these guys who, you know, we see pictures of them, but we don't really get to see them. And I got to see them up close working out and stuff. And um, as far as, you know, dealing with them, they were great. I mean, they're all young kids who are, you know, always, you know, excited to see people come up to them to talk. They don't get a lot of media coverage at this point in their career. So that was cool. But, um, you know, some some pretty good talent, I think. Uh, I mean, I didn't get to see, you know, when they really got going because that was when we came over here. But um, I think the future, especially those, you know, top two guys like Soderstrom and and uh, Geloff looked really good. I think those are two guys who are not too far away, honestly, from, from making an impact with Oakland. And um, obviously all those prospects they got in the deals, you know, for Bassett, Chapman, and, and Olsen, we didn't get to see them. But um, I know the A's are really high on those guys as well. So the farm system definitely has changed over the last year. Uh, a lot more top prospects in there than they had recently. And, I mean, they're going to need to kind of find those that next batch of stars now that they've lost a couple guys here. Yeah, watching uh – Geloff for a couple of games. We went to San Jose Muni when the Stockton Ports were in town to take on the San Jose Giants and own a second-round pick out of the University of Virginia. You watched him, and you just looked down and went, oh, yeah, he's the real deal. You watch him swing it. You look at his athletic ability at third base, his size. He, he fits the part. Yeah, for sure. There's certain guys that you just look at them and you can tell this guy's a big leaguer, and he looks like a big leaguer. Um, you know, he had you know plenty of college years as well to get that experience. So he's probably not that far away from from getting a call to Oakland. Really, I mean, if it's not this year, at some point next year, I think he could be a guy. If he keeps hitting the way he did, you know, when he first joined the org, um, you know, he could quickly move up the system. And he's got you know a lot of talent, really good defensively, and he's got a power bat as well, really good power, as what I noticed right away. And his body is like a major league body already. He looks like a you know a Matt Chapman walking around kind of type of deal. So. Um, and he, I think he knows it too. Just talking to him, he's pretty confident. You know, he knows 
Um, you know, that he's going to be in the minor leagues this year and kind of trying to hone in his craft and work on some things. But I think he expects to make an impact at the major league level with the A's, you know, pretty soon. You know, as we're doing this interview, this is our first day at camp. And, of course, you go into the clubhouse and there's the guys that you do know that are left and, and you talk to them off the air. There's no secrets, right? I mean, it's very obvious going around the clubhouse talking to some guys that there is disappointment of the direction of where this team has been the last couple of years and where it's going now. They're going to be professionals. They're still going to go out there and compete and do their job. But do you get the sense that from the guys that have played in the playoffs and the guys who have been on these teams in recent years that have expectations, there's a major disappointment. Yeah, I think for sure, especially that first week of spring when, I mean, those three trades happened all in a row. I mean, it was like one after the other after the other in the span of a week. I think that was definitely kind of a deflating feeling just knowing that, you know, it was a possibility that they were going to get traded, obviously, but to see it actually happen and kind of know that, okay, this is going into, you know, a rebuild year. Uh, nobody ever wants to do that, especially a guy who's established and, and is a major leaguer and, and has been used to going to the playoffs so many years in a row. Um, I think it was tough, but I think as the, as the spring has gone along, I think they're all kind of, you know, in that mode where, you know, it's a regular season. Regardless, we're going to play. And, I mean, they're not going to go out there with the mentality of we're a rebuilding team. We're going to get crushed every day. They're still going to go out there trying to win and uh, bring in some veteran guys like Vo and Lowry, obviously, I think was key because I think those guys are going to be big in that clubhouse to just kind of keep that, you know, morale up and keep the spirits up and kind of be a, you know, a mentor for a lot of what's expected to be a pretty young clubhouse. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be some adults in the room, and uh, obviously the experience of both Jed and Stephen Vogt. I mean, where they will play, I mean, Vogt can still catch, obviously, mm-hmm. was just on a World Series team. Jed, I mean, DH, second base, but both of them, how much first base time are we going to see both in Jed and Stephen Vogt's future? Well, I mean, it sounds like the plan is for Jed Lowry to get a lot of time at first base. I mean, he's only played there once so far in spring. And his last major league game there was with the Red Sox in 2011. So over a decade, the last time he played in a major league game at first. Not a whole lot of experience there, but um, I know when he when he went out there for his first game, he didn't even have a glove. He had to borrow boats. <laughs> so uh, uh, he might he might have gotten his, his glove order in now, but um, it's definitely a new position for him. We talked to him about it. It's obviously different. I mean, he hasn't played there really ever. Um, he's used to second base. The ball obviously comes to you a little quicker. So I think it's still kind of a work in progress to see how that goes, but... Um, it sounds like the plan is to get him some time at first base. Vote will get some time there. There's really not a set first baseman right now. I mean, there's so many options there that I think they're going to kind of spend, especially early half of spring or regular season, just trying to figure out what's the best fit there and what they should do there. Out of the new guys who have come over and here are still here at a big league camp, uh, who's been the one guy that you didn't know much about but has really impressed you? You know, there's been a, a, a lot of guys. I mean, there's so many people in camp now. Um, I think Christian Pache, just watching him come over from that Olsen deal, I had heard about, you know, the exciting uh, defensive traits that he has. I mean, he could be a gold glover. Mark Kotze compared him to Andrew Jones the other day. But um, hitting-wise, I think it's all coming together for him. The A's have been really keying in on his hitting approach. He hasn't really hit the way, you know, the Braves wanted him to at the minor league level. But um, the A's have seen a lot of promise in there. There's a lot of pop in that bat. He's got speed. Um, he could drive the ball to all fields. I think he's he has a chance to be a, a legitimate star in the majors. I mean, if he could hit just a little bit, um, his defense is incredible. 
And to see, it, I, I think, you know, if we get an outfield of him and Loriano out there, that, that's going to be a pretty special outfield because those guys cover a lot of ground and they both have pretty good arms. And, and Ramon Loriano's a center fielder, so where do you put Pache? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. I know Ramon was getting some time and right uh, last year at times. Uh, maybe they kind of alternate. I mean, honestly, pa- Pache's defense out there, he could cover so much ground that it might be better off having Loriano's strong arm in right field. And then Smith at third base is a shortstop playing third. I mean, could he potentially be a, a shortstop in the future for the A's? I think anything is possible. Obviously, they have Nick Allen coming up as well. He yeah. actually put on a really good show in spring before he got set down. <clears throat> he seems pretty close to major league ready, but um, Kevin Smith, I think they're going to use him kind of as a utility guy uh, early on. He could play, he's been playing second base as well, third base. So um, I think his bat is what really kind of sticks out. He could he crush a three-run homer yesterday and – um, you know, he's got, he could swing it pretty well. Him and Sheldon Noisy on this team are kind of, you know, equal in terms of, you know, guys who could play all around the infield, and they both had pretty good springs. So I thought initially maybe they might be in competition for one spot, but the, the more the, season, the spring has gone along, I think both guys are going to make this roster, and both guys are going to be pretty valuable pieces, kind of like Pinder, just playing all around the infield. Sheldon Noisy was not happy with the A's last time he left here. There's no yeah. secrets about that. Um, reuniting with the A's, have you been able to talk to him? What's that been like? Yeah, we did uh, when he first came over, and um, I think he looks at it as a, obviously it's a different time now. Before he was blocked by Olsen and Chapman at the corners, didn't really have a spot for him, and all he was doing was just hitting in the minor leagues with no spot. Um, so he got a chance to go over to the Dodgers. Obviously, that I mean, we all know you know the stars that are over there and, and the you know talent and, and leadership over there that he was able to learn from. We talked about just kind of picking everybody's brain over there. Now that he's back here, the situation is different. There's plenty of opportunity for him to play, and I think he is going to get a chance to play. Um, you know, his numbers are among the best of any ace hitter this spring. And I know it's just spring numbers, but um, the way he's performed, you got to take some of that you know performance into play when you're making these roster decisions this year. So um, he's going to get a chance here, and I think he's definitely a really good hitter. I think the only thing that was always kind of a question was his defense, but he's actually looked pretty good, whether it's been at third base, second base. He told us he could play first and outfield, too, if they need him to. So... I mean, he's a guy who kind of play everywhere, but his bat, I think, is what really sticks out. And I think if he can live up to his potential, he's a guy who could be a middle-of-the-order bat. Well, as of right now, you got Frankie Montas, you got Shamanai, you got Cole Irvin, and then we're going to see how really the other two spots really pan out. You did a nice article on Aller who everything that he's been through, a lot of craziness – no matter what, whether he's going to be a long man, a starter, he'll probably do a lot of different things for this team. But just talk about researching that and knowing that this young man finally getting that real shot after everything he's been through. Yeah, you know, when he first got came over in that trade, uh, our Mets beat reporter, Tacoma, Anthony Tacoma, sent me like a little breakdown of what he's been through. And I was like, wow, this, this will be a great story if he actually makes a team. I think coming into it, we thought, you know, maybe he'll start out the year in AAA and get a chance to come up later. But some injuries happen, and he performed pretty well in his two starts that he kind of put himself on the radar. And, I mean, the story is incredible. I mean, he this is his first Major League Spring training ever. He's never had a Major League Spring training. You know, he was playing in Australia at one point. He was playing an independent ball, just trying to keep his career alive. And now to find out that he made the roster yesterday, it was definitely an emotional time for him. Adding into the fact that he lost his grandma on the day of his first Cactus League start this year. Um, before he went out to the mound, and you know, he talked about his grandma being there with the mound and being with him, you know, for the rest of the for the rest of his career. So just kind of emotional stuff. And um, you know, he's a he's a great story that I think 
a lot of people are going to find out more as you know opening day comes along and he goes out there you know standing with his teammates and actually makes his major league debut. Um, but he's a pretty good pitcher. I mean, stuff wise, he's really good. He's got he a was the Mets mix. minor league pitcher of the year. Yeah, he had a really good year. Moved up the system quickly, Double A, Triple A. So I think you know the A's had some scouts you know out there you know looking at him and. Um, they identified him as a guy who they feel they could even maximize his potential even more. They have him throwing the fastball a little bit more. I think in New York he was more of a breaking ball guy, trying to be a little bit more finesse. But he's got a good fastball, 94, 95, 96. So um, he fits right in with this rotation. I mean, we've seen we've seen these type of guys, you know, have success with the A's in the past, right? These kind of guys who come out of nowhere, who really haven't had a good break in their careers. They come here, pitching in the Coliseum, working with these, you know, A's pitching instructors and they kind of develop you know a formula to get them success in the big leagues and he could be one of those next guys and that's one of the cool things about down here at spring training it's like every year there's one of those stories or there's multiple stories that are like that where somebody gets their first that lifelong dream everything that they've worked for their entire life you know all the time mom and dad drove you to games and you know all of that and all and it finally hits and you finally get to be a big leaguer it's what makes spring training really so special yeah for sure and those are i mean those are the best stories to write you know i mean when you when you hear about something like that i mean when he told me that he made the team i mean i could see the emotion in his eyes you know and it was cool it was just cool to see you know talked about calling his parents and all that so i mean it's a good story and i mean it's something it's what you know for me personally that's why i do this job you know i like to tell people stories and i mean that was a really fun one to tell for sure how do you think the bullpen's going to fare early? I mean, there's a lot of a lot of candidates there. I don't think they even have a, a set bullpen outside of you know Lou Trevino and and maybe Domingo Acevedo who had some time there. Jalis uh, Guerra's been dealing with a forearm injury, so he's probably going to be on the injured list to start out. He was kind of the only other guy who had a lot of time there. Um, but there's some intriguing names there. Uh, Danny Jimenez, a guy who they brought back to the organization. He was a Rule Five pick a couple years ago. Uh, he throws really hard. And he's—I don't think he's given up a run in spring yet. So um, he's a guy who could potentially fill in a late-inning role just based on his power arm. I think the big guy is going to be AJ Puck. Obviously, it sounds like he's going to start in the rotation, uh, or sorry, sorry, not in the rotation, in the bullpen. And I mean, we've all seen the power arm that he has. Obviously, fastball command at times has been an issue, but um, as spring has gone along, he has pitched a little better. Seems like his command has gotten a little bit better. And you know, with going one or two innings at a time, he's really going to be able to kind of max out that velocity and what the A's want is to him to kind of follow a Josh Hader type, you know, progression where he, you know, maybe becomes a setup man and maybe even a closer at some point. It's just so hard to envision that. We talked about that the other day on A's cast. We're like, you know, Hader's a guy that's given you 60 something outings a game. The most this kid's ever given you in the minor leagues because because of injuries is like 28. So it's hard to even like envision that role for a guy that hasn't even proven he can stay healthy for a year. Right, yeah. I mean, the health is always going to be a question mark, right, until he proves people wrong. Um, He did come into camp a lot heavier, noticeably heavier. He added like 25 pounds to his frame, trying to just be a little more durable. Um, But, yeah, the the health is always going to be a question mark. But, I mean, in a bullpen this year that has so many open spots, he'll get plenty of chances to, you know, kind of go through those growing pains and, I mean, see if he can develop into that type of pitcher. Maybe he can, maybe he can't, but certainly the opportunity is there for him. So the first month of the season, you can send guys up and down, and that's not going to count for this five, right? Mm. I just the amount of players we're going to see. What do you th- just just try and wrap your arms around the amount of players we're going to see in A's uniforms this year? Yeah, it could be a lot, you know, because I mean, obviously, the shortened spring, you have less time to evaluate guys. I mean, guys could you know potentially not be at their best right now, go out and minor leagues, have a really good start, 
and vice versa. Maybe some guys who performed well really here early on go into the major league season and maybe struggle a little bit. I think they're going to be kind of tinkering, just kind of trying to find that right roster formula, see what who fits their team best. But yeah, I mean, I expect to see you know a lot of kind of you know guys coming in and out from AAA, um, and them kind of trying to develop what roster is best for them, gives them the best chance to win on a daily basis. And I think there's obviously a lot of moving parts there, a lot of you know guys who are utility guys who can play all over, not really set positions here. So we're going to see a lot of players, we're going to see a lot of different lineups. I think it's going to be kind of you know all over the place early on, especially. All right, so the two guys we're going to be looking at are, are Frankie Montas and Sean Manaya. Do they both get dealt? Who do you think gets dealt first? What are you hearing? I think if there was one to get dealt before the season started, I thought it would be Manaya just because, you know, he's going to be a free agent next year. Um, and there seems like there's a lot of teams who have been calling for him. Montas, I think the A's are a little bit more willing to keep here early on just because he does have more control. And uh, I think if you wait to the trade deadline, you obviously – um, could get a lot of more teams. It becomes an attractive piece because he still would have another year as opposed to just being a rental. Um, but, I mean, depending on how the season goes, I mean, I would expect, you know, I think we're all expecting both of them to be dealt at some point. It's just when, you know, and uh, I think they're looking for the right package of prospects. But, um, you know, it seems like both of them for the start of the regular season, at least now, it feels like they're going to stick around. I mean, it would be kind of, I wouldn't put it out of the you know realm of possibility if they get traded before opening day, but I think as each day goes by, you get the sense that maybe they're going to wait until the trade deadline for both guys. Yeah, it seems like it could be a really good gamble on the A's side to keep Montas. He pitches well. We know what the deadline's like. Yeah. There's going to be plenty of teams just begging for a starter, willing to give up more than they normally would. It kind of seems like it could be a good bet. If he throws well. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, that's the gamble you take. You could, you know, go out and have a terrible first half. But uh, both guys are throwing the ball pretty well in spring, it looks like. Manaya especially. I mean, he went out and just dominated the Dodgers the other day against most of their regulars. So it looks like he could be out in line for a pretty good first half here. So, yeah, I mean, they, I know they're having conversations on, on both guys with other clubs. But I think the problem has been the other team's not willing to include certain prospects in the packages. Maybe if they go out and perform in the first half, that – pressure go, builds a little bit more a team needs a starter maybe they're willing to give up that guy that the A's want so I think you know as the season goes along you'll see if they have a really good first half obviously they could get what they end up getting what they want for those guys it's really early uh what do you think of Katsai so far he's been great uh he's been great to deal with I know uh you know we all miss Bob I mean we're gonna miss Bob he was great um you know he was the only manager I ever covered so I mean, you know, I got to know him pretty well. But, I mean, Mark so far has been great in spring training. He's been very accessible to us. And, uh, you know, the manager manager pregame with us, he he is very insightful. And uh, I think he's a, he's a good manager for a team that's about to go young. You know, he's got that, you know, young spirit, not too far removed from his playing days. And he can still move around a little bit. I see him running the bases every once in a while. So he brings some energy. He brings some energy to this team. And for a team that, you know, is kind of going through a, a rough transition right now, and maybe he can be kind of that guy who keeps the ship going, you know, in the right direction with his energy. Is it funny that every single time you think you're going young, you look at me and go, well, vote. Um, well, Jed Lowry, Elvis Andrus. I mean, Chad Pender's not young. Yeah. I mean, they're not as young as you exactly think. Tony Klimt's not young. I mean, they're, there's not it. Even yeah. though we're thinking all in young, they're not all. Piscotty's not young. Yeah, it's not going to happen right away for sure. I think definitely you're going to see come opening day and, you know, first couple months, you know, the, the vets out there playing. Um, because a lot of the guys that they got in those trades aren't really major league ready yet. Um, but I think as the season goes along, you get into the second half, 
you start calling up some guys and seeing what they could do at the major league level. I think slowly you kind of start that transition to go a little bit younger at certain positions. Um, but yeah, I mean, opening day roster, you're probably going to see some some ages on there, and you're going to be like, wow, this isn't necessarily doesn't look like a rebuilding team. But um, <laughs> you know, I think I think it starts with you know just kind of rebuilding that farm system first, and then as those guys get closer to coming up, then you see them come up, then you start kind of start to see, you know, why why they uh you know did why they're kind of going to that new chapter but you know early on yeah i mean you're gonna see a lot of you know older guys you know for sure you gotta get out of here you gotta go move yeah i do i've been out here a long time so uh gotta move into an apartment but uh we'll be in philly for opening day i'll be out there nice all right buddy we'll uh we'll see you once the season starts yeah sounds good tony thanks that's it for A's Unfiltered from spring training. We'd like to thank Adam Rosales, Vince Catronio, Glenn Kuyper, and Martin Gallegos. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.